2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile
0: banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The 500, the 500. J-A-M been walking us down through that 2012 edition So it ain't nothing to you Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend The King of these four Angelo Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end With my man
2: J-A-M On the 500
0: Talking the 500 until the end.
2: It's raining outside. The streets are beautiful tonight. Wait, is that a drifter over there?
1: God, I love drifters.
2: The song is Riders on the Storm. It's by the Doors from their 1971 record, L.A. Walmart. LA Walmart. It's number three sixty four out of five hundred on the five hundred. Me, Josh Adam Myers. What's up, kiddies? How we doing, you doogly spoogly tooglies? Y'all having a a week? Y'all doing stuff? Yeah, man, I love it out here in New York. I'm loving life. I'm at the Comedy Cellar. I'm a regular. I am uh, performing at the Stand. Got an apartment. I am moving to New York City, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we got a lot of cool stuff that we're about to do. Goddamn comedy jams in LA, New York. We're going to be in Austin. We're going to be in Vancouver. We're going to be in Houston. We're going to be in cancun Next weekend, I'm going to be at the St. Louis Funny Bone for six shows. Headlining. Ooh, it's going to be a... It's going to be a Dougal uh, spree of joy. And I want to see each and every one of you guys there. And then in August, beginning of the month, I will be at the DC Comedy Loft. So let me see you. Let me see you there because I need to sell some tickets so I can buy Leka some food. You know what else I need? I need you guys to join the Patreon. I was doing a show last night at The Stand, and this guy yells out from the audience. He goes, dude, I love the 500. And I go are you a Patreon subscriber? And he goes, no. And I go, well, help us. Because, and I mean this, guys. Like, if you're a fan of this show and you love it and you listen to it every week, support it. I I, I told uh, JT, my producer, we should just have a dollar tier. Because if we have a dollar, it's nothing. It's like, it's nothing. But $5 isn't much more. And if you're listening every week and you're on the journey with us, Just throw us five bucks. You know, I want to set a goal. If we can get a thousand people, because I know we get like pretty decent numbers. I don't know why we don't have ad sales, but if we, if you put in $5 just a month, you get this great podcast and then I can pay everybody. Because right now we're, we're paying them out of my pocket and I'm going broke people. Hence why I'm getting rid of my Porsche. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I got a Porsche during the pandemic, right at the beginning of the pandemic. I got a Porsche. I was going to buy a house in 2020, and then I don't know if you guys heard, but there was this virus created in a lab, and it just took off the whole world's uh, economic system. Uh, I don't even know if what I just said makes sense. But yeah, join the Patreon, man Patreon.com backslash the500podcast Just do it Subscribe to the YouTube That's another way you can support Subscribe to the YouTube Subscribe to the YouTube Subscribe to the YouTube That's the perfect way for financial independence And uh, that's what we want, man Alright, let's talk about the doors So, I always remember when Brad Bliven, A kid I grew up with Uh, His brother Paul was one of my best friends Who was also into shackles MC Colcock Brad was this like heavy metal older kid that I really thought was cool. And I remember he got out of heavy metal and he started listening to The Doors and The Doors became an obsession. And for years, you know, I knew the hits and I'd look at Jim Morrison and be like, wow, what an attractive guy. How cool is he? Uh, But when you find out the story of this band and you find out how such a short window that they had and the music that they created is impressive, it's phenomenal, it's it's literally six records and this is the last one and this is when he's at his worst, man you know, this guy is a full-blown alcoholic making this incredible record and because of Morty, we have like some real inside stories uh, from the producer or like our, our buddy Paul Rothschild well, Dan is our friend, but Paul produced this, you know, I don't know, me, well, you'll get to it, I'm, I'm fucking it all up, it doesn't make a difference like, this is a fun one because my buddy the one and only David Kechner is the guest. And you know him from Anchorman, maybe Saturday Night Live. He's on he's been in the office. Uh F is for Family. We're both on that show. And he's co-hosting the new season of America's Top Dog on AE, which starts Tuesday, June 29th at 8 p.m. Guys, this is it. This is why I want to keep doing the podcast because you have a guest like David who loves the doors, and I'm talking, he loves them. And it makes it really fun. So we'll keep trying to book those kind of guests for you. You just, but you gotta support the Patreon. Do it, rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the Five Hundred. Leave a review on Apple, please, dear God. People shit on me on there, so uh, we need to. We need to mask that. If you're listening, join the Patreon and leave a five star and a review on the Apple. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Oh, yeah, for all my tickets, go to joshadammyers.com. Joshadammyers.com. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group. Uh, and for all things 500, go to our website, the 500podcast.com. Well, you want to take this, Jim? Here we go, Elf. 364. Oh, L.A. Woman by the Doors, Mojo Rising.
0: Oh, then I also have this one. So there's six. So I, yes, I do have all of them. And then this so, one must have come out later. On Live she cried. Oh, also, I can't find it. I have American Prayer, gentlemen. Nice. So, so you, you, this is this is your band. This
2: is your band.
0: In 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 the early eighties, yes. Yeah. Because the resurgence happened. The the Rolling Stones cover happened in nineteen eighty. That was my freshman year of college. So I have a serious question to ask you. Please. You know how pale, wanton, thrillful comes death on a strange hour? Unannounced, uncalled for, unplanned for, like some scaring, overbearing guest you brought to bed. Death made angels of us all with shoulders smooth as uh, raven's claws that's all I can remember I, do
2: you you did that as a monologue in like a stellar Adler acting class, didn't <laughs> you that was I felt it for a moment. I was like, that dude is dialed in
0: no that was the American prayer was the one that came out my sophomore year, and I bought that and I listened to I loved it, you know, and Robbie Krieger was you know it's all obviously posthumous. But, you know, they're they're laying down all the music to it. It was so fucking cool. Um, but, yeah, I, I knew that. Oh, you know, you guys will remember this one. Her cunt gripped him like a warm, friendly hand. Shit like that. When you're in college. It's just like, oh yeah, this is the real college experience I'm having. Listen that's actually it's actually
2: written on my aunt Gertie's tombstone, <laughs> which is crazy, which is crazy. <laughs> it's insane that they guys had the same thing.
0: people don't know she was the inspiration.
2: So so it's so you're saying so you're saying in college this started or or was it high yeah. school cuz I might have misheard. So like so what was it? What attracted you? Why why did you suddenly be just like, how are you suddenly on this podcast with every record being able to recite every line? What did you dig?
0: Well, because I, I guess because they just, they were rediscovered. What year did the Danny Sugarman uh, book come out?
1: Morty? I don't know. I probably, uh, I want to say like either like 78 or
0: like 80, 81. Well, it would have been, been probably 78 or 79. So probably yeah. with the Danny Sugarman book, No One Here Gets Out Alive. That's where the resurgence of interest probably happened. So okay. because this is before any movie or whatever. So that book probably had a big difference. So I, I don't remember, of course, you know, in college, you're going to be exposed to new music. And I can't remember, well, this was old music, but I can't remember if it was someone on the dorm floor that had a Doors album or something like that, or if they started getting more airplay. Uh, I don't remember the inciting moment. But once I was in, I was in. I was, I was just subscribing to Rolling Stone. Okay. So that might have had something to do with it, because remember, he can't he what is it? He's hot. He's sexy. He's dead. Right? <laughs> Dude, I had that, I had that was the, on the cover? That was on the cover of Rolling Stone. Uh, <laughs> I had the fucking silk screen of Morrison from one of these fucking the the one where he's naked outstretched wearing his leather pants that must have smelled like heaven. Um, wait, uh,
2: did, uh, please tell me you had a doors blacklight poster. No,
0: you know, I, I, I can.
2: I mean, come on, dude. I had, I had, your I fan.
0: had a silk screen, a, a huge six by six silk screen <laughs> that uh, <laughs> I had, I had taken back home over at the, some course of my college, and never, and left it there because I'd forgotten about it. Years later, after my parents sold their house to one of my childhood friends, and his daughter bought the house, he found that six, that silk screen that I had. Glued, no to a, glued to a one-inch dowel rod to make nice. it bang better. Because you remember, yeah, <laughs> big streets they just sagged. So. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> no one you. here gets out alive!
2: <laughs> Please tell me you still have the screen, or is it now... No, it's-
0: it's, it's, so he has, I, I said they can have it, because I thought, you know, that might be fun <laughs> for them. They may have thrown it away. Although I will see them uh, the first week of July because I'm taking my whole family back to Tipton for the 4th okay. of July my kids have never blown off fireworks because oh, we've, we've always been here for the 4th of July oh
2: that's so, so yeah in- that's like the whole thing that, and I'm not just talking about you know sparklers and snakes you gotta blow off the ones where you might lose a finger you know what I mean like a yes. re- real horror show dude that's yes. what I'm talking about
0: Roman candle fights <laughs>
2: Oh my God. God, I miss being a kid. So I miss mailbox baseball. I miss all the fun stuff we did back in the 80s and the 90s, man. So, 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 so you, go ahead. So 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 take us through because I this is this is what I love about the show, and this is when I know it's gonna be a fun episode. When it opens like this, when we get somebody that's just like, This is my band, I feel this because of that. So so because I I am a very passive doors fan, like I know all the hits. I've talked about this when we did uh what record did we do before Morty? We
1: did strange days. Second album.
2: We did strange days. I knew, I knew most of the songs but that. I hate to say it. That was my first real doors record all the way through. And that, so this is my second. uh, And there's something, yeah. And it's, I mean, a a fantastic record, you know, and I watched, there's some documentaries to prepare and there is something very intelligent about their music. There's something very sexy about their music. And of course, Jim Morrison might be one of the most sexy rock stars that has ever performed. Not, not the greatest singer, but one of the greatest performers, I remember my friend Angelo Bowers, uh, his his mother went to go see The Doors uh, in San Francisco years ago and would tell Angelo and talk about it, about how important that show was to seeing Jim Morrison. And I mean- yeah. Cause there's not many performers that are like that. So, you know, so without being able to knowing that he's gone by the time that you've already gotten into the band, like, was it just the, you know, the intellectualism of college and what you're learning and finding that this is a band that's like, Oh wow. It's like, as I'm expanding my mind with these books, this music has opened me up too.
0: Yeah. I would say all those things were part of it. The fact that it was college, the fact that I am meeting a lot of, cause I'm, I'm from a, a town of 2000 people. Nobody talks about anything. I'd never heard the term art history. Um, So, you know, and most of my my college or my high school, we only graduated 68 and it's not a private school. That's the public school. Uh, Of that group of 68, less than half are even going to college, right? Or continuing their education at all. So to get the fuck out, and start meeting people that have more musical interest and knowledge and more intellectual, cultural interest in knowledge. That was all fascinating. And, yeah, that did play into it. And then reading the Danny Sugarman book really hooked me. That really fucking hooked me. Because, you know, Morrison was somewhat of an intellectual. He's a very bright guy. You know, a lot of people don't like him and think he's full of shit. But it's not true. And Robbie Krieger's playing. My God. It's just beautiful. And the fact that I chose to never have a bass player and let Menzerik do both of those parts, that's pretty fucking amazing. And uh, uh, Densmore's drumming, all of it just fit together for me. And then, you know, buying one album, then another, and just keep expanding the catalog. And I, I got more and more interested as I got more and more into it. And like that, I wind up buying American Prayer, a double album of Morrison's leftover spoken poetry that they fucking put music to. <laughs> and I loved so much that I would fucking memorize half a fucking album. Yeah.
2: Have you have you have you turned your kids onto the doors? Are they fans uh, at all?
0: You know what? It's so fascinating how music has diverged into um, what it is. And there's less handing down of what you love to them. They're just kind of as gobsmacked by my music as I am by theirs. And I never thought this would happen because I never thought there's no way I won't be down with whatever's contemporary. Right. Yeah. But it just, it changed you to a point where like, ah, I'm still listening to Wilco. Sorry. Great, great band. Great yes. band.
2: Yankee hotel Foxtrot yes. is damn near perfect.
0: Yeah. So that's where I still am. But the fact that I could get, you know, I'll be years ago when I drive them to school and, scream wilco uh songs at the top of my lungs uh and my daughter to go play it again dad i'm like oh fuck yeah all right yeah but you know all my door stuff was on albums and um i don't know if i download i don't know if i had a bunch of it on on my apple playlist i don't think i did and i recently got someone sent me over christmas i'm yelling i'm so loud i'm sorry no no it's exciting someone someone sent me a record player Oh, I know what it was. American Dad. I'd done voices on there for years, and that was the gift this year. Was one of those little suitcase record players. So then I, you know, I got divorced, so I, I got all my stuff in this garage. So I pulled out a bunch of albums and put those upstairs. Now they have thrown on a couple things, Frank Sinatra being one of them. I'm like, okay, whatever you want to listen to on album, guys, is cool with me. Let's play it. Great. That's live. <laughs> yeah. da, 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 yeah. da, da. All
2: right, let's focus it on. LA woman. Oh. I want to now give me let's we're not going you know you don't have to be specific on tracks but you you you're a fan of the band, you're a fan of everything. What do you love about this record?
0: Well, we know it's their last one, right? Yes. Um and we know from Danny that Jim was drinking heavily. Heavy. Um and it's I'd say the bluesiest album they have done and this all, you know, fits in with his voice is getting Uh, more gravelly because of the heavy drinking. And, of course, you know, Josh, when I was drinking, uh, of course, in college at that point, like, I'm willing to experiment. Whatever they were fucking doing, I'm going to fucking do. So all those things played in. And then, um, you know, the stuff that was going on uh, for the band, what's happened, the culmination of the band, of course, in the the Sugarman book, I can't remember if they really – cover all the politics of what's going on in the band and you don't realize until you become an adult like oh Jim Morrison's a fucking asshole and yeah. you know like you wouldn't tolerate this fucking prick it's like you know finding out who John Belushi was years later like oh oh we wouldn't we wouldn't have been friends yeah like you're you're insufferable and then yeah. you watch that Belushi documentary and you're like oh my god he's just like the rest of us fucking frail yeah beaten, broken, and then just willing himself to fucking, you know, not only survive shortly, but be brilliant, you know, because that's what it takes. It's those two tectonic plates of your own pain that that show your brilliance. Someone write this stuff down. Anyway, (laughs) uh, uh, what do we have? The Changeling, Lover Madly. That was nearly a pop hit, wasn't it? Yep. Been down so long, very bluesy. Cars Hissed By by my Window. I can't remember that one. L.A. Woman, come on. That's a fucking classic.
2: Classic. I mean, classic as far as,
0: it's got to be among the top 10 driving songs, right? Oh, it, yeah. You know, after, even, ride, you know, even
2: Riders on the Storm, too. Riders on the Storm, it's like, that's like you're going through the grapevine, uh, through, you know, outside, going towards like, yeah, whatever's it? I can't think of that. Where's the the Six Flags? Fucking. Valencia. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. getting out there, awesome, the general. canyons.
0: The yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, uh, for to have both of those songs on this album, LA Woman and Riders of the Storm, that's fucking epic. And this is their their their, their sixth album, right? So they're not done. And no. you know, maybe there was more, but those are two hits. Was LA Woman a radio hit? I know Riders of the Storm was a radio hit.
1: Yeah, they did an edit of they did an edit of Riders of the Storm that they cut out part of the uh solo in it and made it a radio one, but yeah, the was, last, it, like, was yeah. it
0: five minutes long or was it six minutes long, the radio?
1: Uh, the radio edit, I think, got it down to like, I think, and change. Oh, okay. When they cut cool. out a lot of the solo, because that's what they basically did. They'd always cut out, they'd go to Ray's solos or Robbie's solos and just go, well, we can't cut out the singing. Yeah. So sorry about all that work you put in to the instrumental. We're going to cut that out.
2: Yeah. Which the solos are like the best part of the song. I mean, yeah. it really yeah. is what makes it, man. Everything on this are these solos that are just so, you know, it's, it's they're incredible. Yeah. For, incredible.
0: Yeah. For people that really like music and, and and are deeply interested in the whole business of what's going on and what, how fucking great Krieger was is this jazz guitarist that became a rock guitarist and still so humble. I don't know if you follow the doors on Instagram, but you'll catch an interview every once in a while, and it's just it's just wonderful. And, you know, they, they recognize how prickly and difficult Jim was, but, you know, you still get it done. And I remember I was seeing an interview with Robbie Krieger, and he, uh, his parents were out of town, and so Jim had gone out with his brother and got fucked up because they were supposed to spend the whole weekend writing, got drunk, and think got a DUI and maybe in a wreck. And he's like, What the fuck, man? I thought we were going to write this weekend. My brother took off and got him all messed up. But um, they're still talking about it with love. It's not like I'm done with that guy. Um, So, And then years later, I I saw Ray Manzarek at the Sherman Oaks Galleria before they redid it, and he's coming down that top third floor escalator, and I'm going up it, and I'm like, holy fucking shit. This might have been what? 15 or 20 years ago, and I'm like, oh, my God, there's fucking Raymond Eric. What am I going to do? And I couldn't do anything. And I catch his eye, and he looks, and he kind of grins, which is that kind of way of going, it's okay for you to interact with me. I felt, you know, but I also felt like since I'm in show business, I'm not going to do that. And I, I, I'm sad that I didn't say something. Why didn't, I didn't you? Want, I didn't want to bother him. I get it. You know, like, it's also, so it's hard
2: to meet your heroes too, man. Yeah. Like you never know how the experience, I remember when I met Beck, it was just like, Oh God, oh, I was I such a spaz. I was such a spaz. God. I think I said like a thousand words in 30 seconds. And he was just like, it scared the shit out of him. And, it, and I was like, okay, well just, I'll go back just to eating over here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah I remember when I, when I met John Doe at Largo, I think I said, Holy shit. 10 times in a row. What? are yeah. you supposed to do with that? Holy He's shit. Fine. Yeah. Holy shit! Holy shit! What's he supposed to do? It's like, oh, yeah, I'm not right. going to talk to you.
2: He probably would have liked it because he's yeah. a super nice guy. Uh, former guest of the 500. So we, we, we were, had him up.
0: He was very nice that night. And I was on the fucking bill. I mean, I, I'm going to be doing the show. And then, you know, then you're in your head going, oh, I, I just revealed myself to be a fucking idiot. And yeah. not very interesting. So...
2: <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> we've been oh. there and done that, dude. But, but listen it's 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 you know you'll get another moment you'll get another chance trust me the universe <laughs> is working in your favor it just heard you say that it's going to make sure you get to do it With uh, ray, if not ray all
1: not right
2: ray. so so like like i think we kind of we already mentioned it this is a really good album yes. this is a blues <laughs> record it's got some it's got some you know stuff that might not even be called blues but the hits on this are iconic i do think there are a few misses but the but the ones that are good are so good that it just completely cancels out the stuff that I really didn't feel as much. Right. Um, is this fat Jim?
1: Yes. This, this is, is this fat is, Jim. This is as fat as Jim is ever going oh, yeah. to
0: get. Yes. Oh, yes. Nice. He, this is his Elvis phase. He'd been uh, drinking a lot of beer. So he, he'd left this, he became a, uh, just a dedicated alcoholic. Yeah. So he's not, he's, I don't even know how much he's getting high. He's, I don't think he's experimenting too much with uh, hallucinogenics anymore. He had just become a hardcore alcoholic. So now you're just in your least interesting phase of life that you'll ever be in, right? Yeah. This is where it goes. So well, now, actually, you, now you're just that, a drunk, but he's able to still put this together pretty amazing.
2: Yeah. Well, that actually makes sense to hear that he was just focusing on the alcohol for this record, because this does have a lot of alcohol-fueled like moments where you're like, oh, yeah, this guy is just wasted. Like, But then there's some stuff that sounds very psychedelic. Riders on the Storm it sounds extremely psychedelic. Um, and then a few other ones we're going to talk about in a minute. But uh, Morty, why don't you uh, kind of uh, take us to this record, dude?
1: Right on, dude. Uh, just one brief caveat. I am in a band with Paul Rothschild's son, Dan. So I actually asked him a few, a few of these things just to make sure I got the real poop. Uh, we'll catch up with who uh, Paul is in one second, but you'll you'll enjoy some of this. So this is released on April 19th, 1971 on Electra Records and produced by the group and Bruce Botnick. It's the sixth studio album by the Los Angeles Rock Blues Psychedelic Jazz Band. As we did their second album, we talked about Strange Days with Harlan Williams Uh, That has a good, solid early bio, so I'm going to catch you up on this one. Just a refresher. The Doors are Ray Manzarek on keys, John Densmore on drums, Robbie Krieger on guitar, and Jim Morrison on vocals. And both John and Robbie went to my high school, so shout out to Uni High. By late 1968, Jim was fed up with being the Lizard King and just wanted to be taken seriously as a poet and even tried quitting the band. He stuck around but continued to break on through the boundaries, which reached a head at a concert in Miami in nineteen sixty nine, when he reportedly flashed his penis to the crowd. As you do. This result yes, as yeah. This resulted in his arrest, conviction, and sentencing for charges including lewd and lascivious behavior, profanity, and public drunkenness. So by 1970, although they were five successful studio albums into their career, that event saw them hit a huge roadblock when promoters kept canceling their shows and many many radio stations blacklisted them. That low point carries over into the beginning of this record. They'd only had a few incomplete songs. And after early sessions with Paul Rothschild, who produced all the rest of their albums, he just didn't feel that most of the songs were up to his or their standards and was especially fed up with Jim, who would often not even show up. According to Rothschild, the material was bad. The attitude was bad. The performance was bad. And he told him straight out, look, I think it sucks. I don't think the world wants to hear it. It's the first time I've ever been bored in a recording studio in my life. I want to go to sleep. And just a side note on this, he had just Paul had just worked with Janis Joplin on what became her posthumous last album. So he saw her die and it really had an effect on him. And he probably saw Jim going in that similar direction. So that was that that was a that was a big one on him, according to Dan, too. So he suggests that they use Bruce Botnick, who had engineered all the records. Um And they they co-produced that with him. The idea was to capture the sound of the band quickly, very few overdubs, and return to that live bluesy root stuff you were talking about. So instead of continuing to record at the fancy studio where they were doing the pre-production, they switched to their messy and crowded rehearsal and management space right on Santa Monica Boulevard near La Cienega. So for all you Doors fans, there's Barney's Beanery, where we know Janice had her last drink, and we know Jim used to party. There's the Altonita, the hotel where Jim used to live at. Across the street next to Alan Ed's right over was the Doors rehearsal space. So that, like, one little corner had all—and the, then there was an electric studio. So right there, that was all of that. And I
2: think now it's a Shake Shack. Yeah, it, yeah. It, right I, next no, to it Right next to Shake Shack. It, It's 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 because me and Angelo used to walk by there all the time when we were doing like this open mic that was right down the street, and there was the sign out. It was like a it was like a pink building, and it said, you know, uh, this was recorded here on this date, and blah blah blah, and it, it was just great. So and the, and my cheeseburger, the cheeseburgers at the Shake Shack, just you know, they hit a little sweeter. You know what I mean? Because it's like you know, there's a little history behind it.
0: Josh, you should do a. a- is is there a rock and roll tour of this got recorded here and there in LA? Uh
1: there there, there is when they're there,
0: in my car. There but there should be one, but it should be very it should not be common. It has to be someone that really loves music and they had to pay a hundred dollars. Like you're not you're not you're not paying fucking twenty-five dollars and it's actually fifteen with a discount coupon. It's a fucking walking tour. Maybe it's two hundred dollars. Make but it only- three. Come on. Four hundred dollars. <laughs> And you
1: get a Shake Shack burger at the end. you get a Shake Shack. Right. Right next to where where Jim. In fact, here you'll like this. So not only do they record in this rehearsal studio where they pull in the console and everything's jammed in, Jim actually goes and starts singing songs in the tiled bathroom for acoustics. They take the door off of it. Uh, It's still a working bathroom, by the way. So although although Ray played keyboard bass live, we talked about, they always recorded with a hired bass player. For this uh-huh. album, they got Jerry Chef from Elvis Presley's TCB band and many many other hits, as well as rhythm guitarist Mark Benno, who had recent success with Leon Russell as the Asylum Choir. So the album's recorded in just six days, mixed in an additional week. By which point, Jim had already taken a break from the band and left to go to Paris with his girlfriend Pamela Kirsten and uh, figure some stuff out. Although does the she band- really look like? Does she really look like Meg Ryan? uh you you can you can see lots of pictures of her. A lot more, a lot more kind of hippie, plain sort of. Adam,
2: pull up a picture of her. Yeah, okay. she yeah, was kind good. of
1: redheaded. Yeah, she's a ginger. Yeah, yeah, and she, uh, yeah, she actually there's lots of photos. You'll love this. Look them up where you can see Jim and she and Jim, or she worked at a clothing shop on like Sunset Boulevard, and Jim would like go visit her, and he'd like get dressed up by her and they'd like take weird pictures with like whoever was there. So there's some really wacky pictures of that era. So he goes to, he goes to Paris. Um, they hope now here's the thing, the band Robbie loved Jerry chef. He was hoping Jerry and Ma- and Mark would go touring with them when they got back, you know? So uh, but less than three months later, obviously, tragically uh, Jim died three months after the release mysteriously in a bathtub in Paris. Oh, yeah, wow. See? She was
2: pretty, man. Oh, wow. I mean,
1: she looks a lot more like Pamela DeBars, if you know who that I, is.
2: Can I, can I be completely honest with you guys? I'd, I'd still prefer to have sex with Jim over her. She, Jim is gorgeous. Good. Be in,
1: yeah, in between them. I want gorgeous. fat
2: Jim, dude. Yeah. I want a fuck a bloated... High sodium intake, Jim Morrison. That's what I want.
0: Just as a disclaimer, <laughs> none of us agreed to the terms when he said, can I be honest with you guys? None of us said, yes, please yes. tell <laughs> <us."> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, there is a yeah. I felt a brief, it. Brief I disclaimer. felt the energy. Yeah.
0: So, so anyway, does. it took six days to record. Yes. Now, uh, so of, of the stuff that they had initially started recording earlier, how much remained for this album, or did they start writing – and and uh, new songs for this particular album. I, I'll i get into that near the okay. end. There's one song. that No, no, I'm just saying
1: there's one song they had recorded way before this, you know, way before this. The rest of this was essentially started with Paul Rothschild. He went in the studio with them and he just was like, nah. He's just like, you're not, this is not. And then I'll even, I'll get in a little more stuff as we go song by song. But so basically six days of cumulative recording over like a month. And then... Uh, and then only mixed in like a week, which is, if you guys know anything about recordings, really quick uh-huh. for this album to get done. So uh, uh three rem- three remaining doors after Morrison died, they put out two more albums with them trading vocals, which I don't think you have on vinyl, but they are interesting. They are interesting to listen to. And then one album of them playing under Morrison's poetry, which is what you have. And according to Dan, you'll like this. So when Paul Rothschild recorded his his poetry, he specifically said, Jim said, don't ever put music on my poetry. Don't ever cut any breaths out. I want it to be exactly how I recorded this. I want this to be a testament of how I recorded it. And then he died. And obviously they they encouraged him to put music under it. But that's a fascinating wow. record, too. Wow, yeah. man.
2: Yeah. That's like that's like Ruth Bader Ginsburg's like final wish. Be like, please yeah. don't fill my seat. And they were like, yeah. we're filling it, dude. Yeah, oh my yeah. God.
0: We, well, we won't. Why don't you retire early?
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: So, Densmore rarely participated in any of the later reunions due to his tinnitus. But Robbie and Ray continued to play together periodically until Manzarek's sad death from cancer in 2013. The Doors became the first American band to have eight consecutive gold records. That includes the other ones, the live and the and, the, and thirteen wow. have sold over a hundred million records worldwide, and were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1993. Wow. Good for Good for them. Yep, they deserve it.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> I want
2: fat Jim. Uh, <laughs> all right. let's uh, let's dive into this record. We're, we're gonna we're gonna cover a few of them. Uh, and these, I mean, the ones we're gonna cover are just fantastic. The first one we gotta mention. We always gotta mention the opening song, uh, the Changeling. Uh, this is so. I we, you said it earlier, David. This is a blues record, and yet. This is a funk song supreme. Uh, Adam, play the intro. This, I mean, this could either be James Brown or uh, the music from Debbie Does Dallas. It is it is everything I masturbated to in my dad's porno collection. So it was the first song they recorded for the record and owed a debt uh, to R&B and soul artists like James Brown, Lee Dorsey, and Lowell Folsom. Uh, great song. Great way to open the record. Definitely doesn't sound like the rest of it. Uh, Morty, is there anything to
1: add? Yeah, man. This... Uh- this is, you know, we were talking about Jim was putting into what was going on in his life. Even though he wrote the lyrics back in 68, this really captured the change. He was just decided he did not want to be the Lizard King. He wanted to be whatever was going to happen to him at that point And, you know, disappointed a lot of uh, female and uh, everyone but Josh, apparently. I mean, I'm into
2: him. him. He's sexy. He's sexy, man. If I listen, there's two guys I would have sex with in my life. I would have sex with Jim Morrison and the lead singer of the B-52s, Fred Schneider. Those okay, are chick-
1: okay. I <laughs> was
0: if the fellas or the chicks? Okay. The,
2: the you, chicks? The so, guy. No, the guy. Yeah, i right. with that
0: voice. Of those, you have one opportunity. So,
2: yeah. It's true. So, everybody in their life, uh, you know, that really is a huge Doors fan has a big, has like a Doors, a Jim Morrison period. Uh, have you ever had a Jim Morrison period?
0: Me particularly?
2: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah.
0: Well, in college, I mean, yeah. I, but, I mean, I don't have one. Look, I don't have any cool. That's not my trade. My trade is loud. And so apparently that's not cool. So we're so polar opposite in our energy, you know, that I would never have a Jim Morrison moment. Like I I can't lower my vibration to match him on any level. That's just the truth. Then let me
2: ask you this. This is an amendment. It's not a Jim Morrison period, but being that Jim Morrison was the king of cool, one of the coolest guys ever lived, was there ever a moment you were at your coolest? Like you did something where you felt It'll, I'll never get cooler.
0: Uh, I'm still waiting. <laughs> you know what, it, Josh, it's, it's a thing it's like it, that, that's not on my radar. I'm, I'm never concerned with cool. Uh, relevant, of course, you know, because of what we do, that's what we want. want to be relevant. Um, l- later, you'll, people will go, oh, man, that was cool you did this or that. But it's, it's not something I am conscious of or think about. Um, so I guess that's the honest answer. No, I get it. And no, it's very, very
2: humble of you. And because um, I think you are what I, I was hoping you were going to say, you know, when I was singing Bob Seger at the goddamn comedy <laughs> jam at the Roxy. do
0: You
2: remember that? You remember when I told you, I was like, I was like, you want to do turn the page. And I was like, we're doing the Metallica version. You're like, nah, 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 no, nah, no, no, nah. no, no, no. We're doing right. the Bob Seger. Well,
0: the, the night we did that rehearsal for the other song uh, with the Violent Femmes, when we all sat and uh, did whatever, 10 different songs that night in rehearsal. Oh, over. Yeah. that was yeah. Yeah, cool. I do. That well, then was I, just, cool. you know, I guess the coolest thing would have been when we did the Naked Trucker and T Bone show, uh, I was the leader, I was the lead singer of a band, me and another guy. So I guess that's as cool as it got for me.
2: I mean that that is extremely cool. Dude. Yeah, that, uh, was, that was such was a great cool. show. Such a such great characters. I mean, yeah. what you guys created was. I mean, I I, I never got to see it live. Uh, Morty, you said you did. I heard you guys talking yeah, about well, that. Yeah, I like,
0: was fortunate. Yeah, it was. I will. I will. I would just say it was fucking an amazing show. It really was. That's the that's been the highlight of my career. Doing that show for several years at Largo, and we'd have sold out shows. And as years later I'd find out, I was told that uh, comedy writers. They were writing on sitcoms and were disgusted with it. Would come to our show to reaffirm that comedy is important and it can be good. So that I guess that would be my coolest moment that we had. All these people. Rick Rubin used to come to our show. Uh, that see, how can you not think that is cool? Yes, dude, that's first answer. That's yeah. first ballot. Cool. We we went to Rick Rubin's house one night. Me and Dave. Continue. 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 We're like, what does Rick Rubin want to talk to us about? Because we had a few songs, and he's like, none of your none of your songs are hits. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. What Rick wanted us to do was become Abbott and Costello and do an Abbott and Costello style movie. It's like, well, that has zero relevance to what we actually do, other than we're a two-man act. But the naked guy is the straight man here. So this yeah. whole thing, the whole It's, it's, you know, you can't, you don't never want to describe it as meta, but it kind of was. Um, And this isn't as dumb as people kind of think it is. You know, we eventually got a show on Comedy Central and they always missed the mark. I was like, never call this fucking, you know, blue collar comedy. It's not, you know, we're referencing Chaucer and Noam Chomsky. So don't fucking call us, you know, the blue collar comedy tour. So you know what they did? They called it Roadhouse Comedy. Nothing like
2: no one knows how to fuck something up more than Comedy Central, that's dude.
0: Huge a goddamn comedy jam. That's that's <laughs> yeah. true. I, like, what are you guys how, how are you even on the air still? Are they still on the air?
2: Barely. Barely. And I love I love there's a they got rid of 90% of the execs. The only one that survived was the one that knew what he was doing. Love you, Ryan Moran. If you're listening, I love you, buddy. I love you to death.
0: That would be the coolest time for me. When, yes, I was I was I was one of two people fronting a band. And uh Damn, that was fucking electric, and it was fun. And, uh, yeah. And the, oh, the Rick Rubin story, but basically that was it. He sat us down. We watched a bunch of old Evan Costello stuff, which I'm a fan of, but I was just, like, confused. He, like, he wanted us to just go out and write um, an Evan Costello version of our show as a movie. And it just, I mean, Morty, you saw the show. It, that just wouldn't, that wouldn't work. Well, you know, the thing about, like, and by the way, my, like I was saying, my friend Mike Rotman,
1: who was a writer on on a show at the time and was in that circle with everybody and Sam Levine, you know, and Sam Levine, all these guys, they used to talk about that. They used to go, we'll go to Largo to watch this show. It's genius because of what it is, because on the surface, it seems like, you were saying, it seems like a, you know, like a hee-haw, you know, when you first see it, it's, it's like the anti-hee-haw because when you look at it. So for those of you that don't know, there's a tall dude holding a guitar who's ostensibly looks like he's naked and he's wearing a trucker hat and he's just standing there and he's playing the songs, and everything. And then you have David as, as, as T bones, who is, you know, really the heart of the, I mean, you know, the, the, the you were saying like, uh, uh, Goober, what David or, uh, yeah.
0: Gruber, uh, Adam, yeah. Right. Is he's the straight man. It was interesting dynamic. Uh, and gosh, darn it was fun. And we had a lot of great laughs and we had, uh, A lot of great songs, I thought.
2: Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at BeatTheStigma.org.
0: Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to
2: Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little, a little taste of it right down to the
1: shaking microphone and all.
0: <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom.
2: Alright, let's uh let's let's move on to let's move on to Lover Madly, okay? So alright, next song, Lover Madly. So Robbie got a new 12 string acoustic guitar and wrote this about his often contentious relationship with his girlfriend Lynn. As he described it, every time we had an argument, she used to get pissed off and go out the door and she'd slam the door so loud the house would shake. Ooh. I've been there, dude. The title was based on a line uh, Duke Ellington would tell his concert audiences at the end of his performances, we love you madly. Robbie, who had written a bunch of their songs, including the lyrics, was encouraged by Jim to occasionally throw in something confusing to challenge the listeners. On this, that was, all your love is gone, so sing a lonely song of a deep blue dream, seven horses seem to be on the mark. Uh, besides being their highest charting last pop hit, the song's easy feel allowed Jim to cruden like one of his idols, Frank Sinatra. Uh, play the best part, Adam. anything you want to add to this david uh, well, uh, thoughts feelings whatever
0: yes it's got a, cur- a certain carnival feel to it yes then, very much so I, I would always think whenever uh when he goes the guitar part when he goes uh the seven horses seem to be on their mark it sounds to me like that the guitar is the horses uh, running in my head so but yeah uh like that. I thought this was a hit. How, how,
1: how hard did it chart? I believe it was 11. I think this went to 11 and then riders went to 17, I believe, but 11 was like, it's the highest that they did the end of their career. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, yeah.
0: it's a, it's a, it's a perfect for the time. Yeah. This is a great pop hit, right? It's, yeah. good, it's delightful. It's got language. Um, but yeah, seven horses seem to be on their mark. Uh, that also emulates, so I forgot that Robbie had written this, and emulates a lot of the stuff that, you know, Jim had done. So I think clearly it shows that Jim's poetic influence was felt with Robbie there.
2: Definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. Uh Anything you want to add, Morty? Yeah, Just, this, uh... is,
0: this is the
1: actual song that Paul heard in the studio, Paul Rothschild, the producer. This is the one he listened to, and he was like, this is a piece of shit. Ah. We're not doing a record. And then... Uh, so those, so, those, so the, the his girlfriend Lynn that he got in the fight with. So first they had actually met. The doors had actually met her at a New York go-go bar, and she had a brief fling with Jim first oh. before before going out with Robbie. And so, where is she today? Well, she's been mi- Mrs. Lynn Krieger since 1972.
2: No, oh, it's shit. a sweet love story. Oh, yeah. good for them.
0: Good don't, for them. Don't you love her as she's walking, walking out, out, out
2: the door? door. I've been down so long. Oh, yeah. uh, I just, I gotta mention this one uh, because this song is dirty. Starts raw and gets raw. Uh, I love how it picks up steam towards the end. Uh, play 333, three, three, bruh. Well, I've been down so goddamn long. He is wasted. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that is, uh, God, that, that makes me miss drinking a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Hon- I think that's that might be my favorite moment on the whole record. I, I really do. I think that's a special moment. It's like there's there's something about Jim, and we had that moment. What was the final song, Morty, on Strange Days? The one where he scree- He just gets like,
1: he fucking- you
2: Yes, when the music's over and when he fucking does that scream and that, it's like that's it it's just seriously like, yeah, dude, he's the greatest front man that ever lived. That's what you when you have when he does that shit, you're just like, that yeah, dude, I'm in. I, I want I'll take all of that. I want all of that and then some. Um, so this, uh, Cars Hiss by my window and the latest cover of John Lee Hooker's Crawling King Kingsnake are pretty standard blues songs. But this gets a mention for its topical lyrics about a warden and being set free as Jim was appealing his in, his impending 6-month jail sentence. Did he go to jail?
1: No, he died in Paris while he was still appealing.
2: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot he yeah. Jim
0: is uh, a junkie. Yeah.
2: yeah. Someone spelled you,
0: his name J E E M.
2: Jim. Have you ever have you ever been arrested? What's your uh, worst run in with the law, David?
0: Let's think. Oh, I was once uh, in college. Um, uh, my roommate, who I, I was, I, I was moving. Out. Double homicide.
2: You yeah. killed your roommate. He you didn't buy I, paper towels
0: <laughs> two, two, uh, two weeks before I was moving to a new place in Columbia, Missouri. My roommate, not a bright kid, was growing marijuana plants in the basement. We had, a, we had. It was a three-level house. We had the basement and the first level. And he'd been drawing these pot plants in Missouri for about six months, and they were only about a foot tall. So it was a pretty sad concern. Uh, An exterminator had come, hired by the the landlord, to spray for bugs, and he was an ex-cop. I come home, and there are 11 cop cars outside the house. You know, Missouri overkill. And there's people from the state police, the local police, the county police. I'm walking in. My roommate already said, he has nothing to do with this. And they'll go, Can we search your room? I'm like, Yeah, there's nothing in my room. I had forgotten. This is August. That May, someone had a uh, a, a vial, a Coke vial with that thing at the top. Remember, there used to be that? Uh, oh, bullet yeah, yeah, yeah. A bullet, a bullet. Yeah, yeah. It was empty, but it had uh, j- dust in it, right? Residue, <laughs> right. The coating around. And they even go, What's this? I said, I don't know thinking, who gives a fuck? There's nothing in there. I was, a, I was arrested for felony possession of cocaine. Wow. For coke dust? Yes. What happened? Uh, I got a one-year suspe- suspended sentence, and then it took me forever to get through the, the uh, red tape of being able to, I was on my way to Chicago. I was going to move to Chicago six months after that. It took nearly a year before I could actually move to Chicago – Uh, To start studying at the uh, the second city, uh, which maybe maybe was a blessing in disguise, because then I ended up meeting all these right people at the right time. But um, so yeah, I I hired a lawyer for a thousand bucks. Any lawyer would have gone. We need an independent test, which would have said this case is getting thrown out because there's not enough there for an independent test. There was nothing there. Just flakes, dust. Dust, and my yes, friend's you, know, do, like, you right. know why?
2: You know why there was nothing there? Because you did all the coke. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. did all of it, was,
0: it was a graduation party from that last May. Everybody was doing $25 worth. Like, there's eight people sharing $25 worth. <laughs> so, no one's really getting anything, right?
1: Yeah, this and little, this like, little
0: like, Anybody would have taken that final little uh, bit and put water in there. And just, just drink and freeze or, or something, water. right? Right. I didn't even, yeah. eat, you know.
1: So, uh, did you, do you ever do you ever see Tim Allen and go sup? <laughs> <laughs> how many years did he do five years? I don't know how long he did, but nobody. That's all anyone could talk about was like that was the last cool thing he did.
0: Ah, uh, that might yeah. be that might be very true.
1: Um.
2: All right. Let's. Um... Let's move. So then,
1: car hissed
2: by my window. I want to get to L.A. Woman. Let's yeah. get to L.A. Woman. Yeah. Come yeah. on, right, guys. We yeah. got to oh, do yeah. L.A. Woman. Morty's got the orange water cup. I hope I get my blue water cup out here from L.A. Oh, you know, I'm, right. in, I'm in yeah because that's the only cup I got. All our target, um, our target merch. Yeah, is that where he <laughs> was from? I stole it from one of my roommates. Oh yeah, because uh, he was a pot dealer and he we got busted. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right, L.A. Woman. So this song. Uh, Like I said earlier, it's just, it's so special to me because I I shared that moment with Angela walking by that studio. We used to always stand there. We used to smoke pot there. It just felt really, really cool. So it was really nice to be able to like dig into this and then find out a little bit about the history. Everything about this song rules. And I mean fucking everything about this song rules. The lyrics, the keyboards, uh, the sections, but most importantly this part right here. Play uh, 455, Adam. <laughs> I've gotten more you. You've been on since, you know, the Wanda Sykes episode and you've been listening since the beginning. I don't think there's ever been a more iconic thing that we've actually played on this podcast so far that I mean, that is just so iconic. It's so powerful. It's just everything that that you want in music. And it's like, you know, I don't think anything of the, of the other albums we've done have even touched that moment musically.
1: It's so real live, yeah. Not a lot of, not a, like John doesn't get enough credit for his drumming. I mean, he—you have to remember—he's like a jazz drummer playing a lot of this stuff in a rock and roll band that has like a bluesy key thing, and then a flamenco guitar dude, and then a poet. But the drumming stuff, you know, like you were saying, you know, there was there's a finesse to John that not a lot of maybe Ginger Baker, not a lot of other drummers. Brought to the table, and so I just want to give props to him because he seems to be the guy that gets the least amount of. I don't even of know, I, I, dude. I, if you you could put the whole band uh, at a restaurant
2: together, sitting at separate tables, I could pick out almost every single one of them except for the oh,
1: Kevin Kevin Dillon. He's a guy, Kevin. Dillon oh, Kevin. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I, okay. There you go. You mean <laughs> you Johnny go. Drama? Well, yeah, I'm Johnny, Johnny Drama. Johnny Drama. Yeah. No. So he was. Yeah. He. Yeah. He doesn't get enough there, but you know, everybody knows this is the anagram of Jim Morrison. You know, made into Mr. Mojo Ryzen. He took his letters and moved them around and did a little world word puzzle. And so you end up with Mr. Mojo Ryzen, not with a G. Oh. Jim Morrison doesn't have a G in it. So- but yeah.
2: So Ray uh, described this as a song about driving madly around uh, or down the L.A. freeway, uh, either he- heading into L.A. or going out on the 405 up to San Francisco. I don't know why they would take the 405 to San Francisco. I mean, yeah. The five is so much better. Or you could take the 101 where it's a scenic view. Or you could take the one, which is just gorgeous. Uh, you're or, beating or the on the
0: road. Oh, oh, I guess not yet. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> not the bullet oh. you had.
2: So <laughs> so, you, so, they want you to be a beatnik on the road like Kerouac and Neil Cassidy barreling down the freeway as fast as you can go. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm definitely going to – because that's the thing is I haven't listened to this record driving yet because I've been in New York the whole time. I've been listening to it. It doesn't hit the same way on the subway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, this isn't a lot
0: – You're right. As far as, as far as cruising music, LA Woman's got to be way up there. Uh, just, just just to get in a car and drive with that on there, you're you're gonna be accelerating.
2: Yes, you are gonna be accelerating. And this is the longest song on the record. And the last door is epic. Um Morty, anything to add?
1: Yeah, this is great. This song was only played once by the band in late 70 in Dallas. Um you can find that on a bootleg like if you can find it. If it ain't one thing, it's another. And then 15 years after the song, Manzarek, who you'll remember met Jim in film school at UCLA. He made a video for this song using old footage he shot of the band and new stuff he shot in Venice Beach. Actress Krista Erickson played the L.A. woman, and the male lead was Past 500 Guests and Dave's good friend, John Doe, of the band X. Ah. Yeah, and Manzarek produced, so I don't know, I mean, for those out there that don't, Manzarek produced the first Force X albums. And directed two of their videos. Oh. So he's also known for bringing X to the forefront of the That's movie. funny that we're,
2: I, I, you know what was funny? was we, I was trying to remember who we had on that worked with him. I, I, for the life of me, I couldn't remember. It was John Doe. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, was in the movie Roadhouse, everybody. Ah, I, yes. I mean, God bless Roadhouse. Uh, I'm also
1: not a Roadhouse comedy.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: but, 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 but road, Roadhouse, road, driving song, yeah. you know, it where all is, kind of works. a
0: good listener. Um, but was was it La Roman? Uh, was it written by about Pamela or not? I mean, you could. It's Jim, so you know
1: he might have written this two years before. Had pieces of it. I mean, this dude wrote this for those of you that don't know. Jim was like a literate guy, went to college, kept dropping out. But he was also like we see the beautiful guy. He was like a chunky guy in film school, so he wasn't the guy that we see. He they he was broke and they lived eating crap, so he got that physique from the later part when he was hanging out with like Ray and they first started the band before that, he was like a kind of chunky kind of chubby guy in film school. Okay. So that that's words to all you guys out there. Chunky
2: chubby film student.
1: Yeah. You guys, <laughs> you guys could be Jim Morrison. If you just lose all your money and have to live on someone's roof.
0: Yeah. Maybe take, <laughs> maybe, maybe take a bunch of reds. Were red, were reds yeah. speed, what was speed? Were those reds?
1: Speed. Uh, blue, I think blues were uppers and reds were downers. Oh, I believe. Okay.
0: Mom, oh, thank man. you. Mom, if
1: my mom's listening. <laughs> yes, thank you.
0: Oh, God
1: bless us I'm sure
0: took a, a, a generous amount of speed.
2: You have? Do I know? You, I, wait, wait. Oh, I thought no. you said you have a generous amount no, of no, speed. No, no. I wait,
0: was like, wait. oh, all right. I'd say okay. Jim, when Jim got his physique cut like that,
1: yeah. probably Jim took, e- yeah. yeah, Jim Get took to. everything. If you guys don't know, for, you, for those out there, that he's not a moderate, he was not a moderate guy. When he would go and they'd play places, people would hand him stuff. And, he, and these were now that he would just take it wow. without asking what it was, without asking how many doses they were giving him. Ooh. He had done that lots of times. There's a famous one, either Denmark or Amsterdam, where like I think maybe Grace Lake or somebody was like, we were with him and people handed him stuff. And he like there, he just took it. I think it was in the movie. It was in the movie that
2: he did that. And in one of the documentaries, you just see somebody, you just see him pop shit into his mouth. I mean, dude, that's what you do, though. Come on, man. That's how you make – you want to be an iconic rock star, we'll take a handful <laughs> oh, of pills you have no idea what they
0: are. I'm sure you guys have covered this on your show. You mentioned Janis Joplin earlier, and uh, she and Jim and Jimi Hendrix all part of the 27 Club.
2: Yes. Yep. And yes. Kurt Back, Cobain, yeah. right? Yeah. Kurt Cobain, yeah. Kurt yeah Cobain years later. Uh, was uh, – oh, and fucking Amy Br- Winehouse. And oh. Brian
1: Jones. Brian Jones. Brian Jones. okay. The Stones. I mean, there were a lot of them. Yeah, the ones that yeah. don't are like, fuck. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 32. I'm, yeah. 30, I'm in the 32 I knew that when, club. I passed, when I passed 27, I was like, I guess I got to see this one out. Because
0: <laughs> yeah. there's no way. You got and no like, choice.
1: Nob- yeah, nobody cares anymore.
0: What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast
1: is all about doing what you love for a living. And every week, I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that.
2: All right, uh, L'America, great song. Hi, oh, yeah. uh, Hy- it was
1: Hyacinth House. Yeah, Hyacinth House.
2: Hyacinth House, crawling king snake. All right, let's get to the wasp, Texas radio, and the big beat. It's a deep cut, though. Uh, although <laughs> I don't think I was supposed to say that, but I wanted to do anyway because it's like saying it's like saying deep cut. Although this has been included on several Greatest Hits compilations, this is still a relatively obscure song. It's essentially a poem with a sung chorus that likely tells of the effects on the Texas youth of the 50s from the unrestricted and unregulated R&B and soul music pumping out of the nearby high-wattage Mexican radio stations. Uh, I gotta tell you guys, the ending is the best on this. Uh, Adam, play it.
0: Fun. You know, oh,
2: I just, I, I felt like a radio DJ right there. I was just like, that's, just ended and I was like, that's fun. You're that? listening to KWOK, the Quack, y'all. Yo?
1: You're listening to W-A-S-P,
0: the <laughs> You know, and the cool thing too is the Doors are doing their own thing. They've got their own sound and they stick with it. And doing stuff like this, which is experimental, really, it's just so, so much different than anything else. So they've got their one pop song they're really committed to in this album which is Love Her Madly. Otherwise, the rest of it is that we're going to do what we want to do. Now, whether it was because they were fucking burning down the house and they had nothing and like, fuck it, let's just try, there's a lot of good music in here. And the fact like that thing's on there too, you know, no one's trying to emulate the birds. They're not trying to be the Stones. They're not trying to be the Beatles. They're not trying to be CCR or Led Zeppelin. This is the fucking Doors.
2: That's a really good point, David, Uh, and to the Fleece Army out there, man. It's like you, you don't have to love the Doors, but you got to at least respect that they're doing yeah. their own thing. They're not trying to sound like anybody else. Yeah, there's influences here and there, but it's like they're making their music for It sounds like they're just making it for Jim and themselves. Like Jim's like, no, I'm doing what I want to do. Um. Little did he probably have any idea that he was actually recording a song. He probably was so drunk. <laughs> he was, if only yeah. he would have known that there would have been a Shake Shack right next door to the studio. <laughs> Years later, he would have. I mean, he would have been double the size. You um, know,
0: you would know be so sad. Jim Morrison still alive today, three hundred plus pounds, oh, hang out oh. at Shake Shack every day, telling people, Dude. "Hey, man." We recorded an L.A. woman just telling Dude, yeah.
2: dude, it's so funny that you're saying that because I was talking to another comic about how Marilyn Manson should have died years ago and he still would have, he would have been this cool legend and now he's turned into this fat, bloated, you know, you're finding out all this horrible stuff about him. It's like this narcissist, which it's just like if he would have died after Antichrist Superstar, I'm not a huge Morrison, uh, Marilyn Manson fan either. I'm just saying it's like, you never want to turn out to be that, you know, it's like Kurt Cobain, because he died. I mean, trust me, I would have loved to see seen the main more music, but the legend is so powerful yeah. of Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, just like the legend of Jim Morrison. And we did get a little bit of fat Jim Morrison, but... Man, it's like sometimes you just you just live a little too long.
0: Yeah, you know legend, I mean? legends better than the reality, that's for sure. Yeah, for you sure. See, you don't
1: want to see Alice Cooper golfing. Ah. That's the part. No, that just oh, destroys exactly. Me. I want you know this is
2: replicant. my nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> I want to talk about destiny, though. Was there a moment, uh, David, when your destiny was changed forever?
0: Ah, uh, yeah. When I was thirteen, I made the decision. Well, two things. When I was ten years old. Um, I'm one of six kids. I'm the third of six. And when I was 10, I'm there and I, I'm walking around the side of my house by myself and walk around the West side of the house. And it's just in the earliest stages of fall. And I remember thinking, I'm moving, I'm moving to the city. I'm going to miss my family. I'm going to miss my friends, but I have to go. I can't stay here. And so that was fourth grade. And then, um, You moved out at fourth grade? No, no. That's when I decided. decided. Everybody's talking to (laughs) me. It's not going to stick. (laughs) Well, no. That's that's when I decided I'm leaving. And then uh, when I was 13, I remember standing by the tree out back, our backyard watching the sunset. And I decided I'm going to be on Saturday Night Live. Oh. So those would be my two moments of destiny, I guess. Was,
2: uh, we, we, we just had a buddy on that, that got Saturday Night Live. Um, we talked Jay Moron. we met a few other people. We had, um, you know, I think we have Jay Farrell coming up. Uh, did you have a pleasant audition experience? Oh, like, well, my
0: audition was, was glass. Was my, that by, by that, that time I would already convinced myself, this is mine. It's see. It's the most confidence I'd ever had with anything in terms of like, maybe that was my cool moment. Cause like, Oh no, this is mine. This is yeah. my, the problem was I already decided I'm not staying six years in my head. I thought in my head, like, I'm going to get the show. I'm going to do it for three years and then I'm leaving. Well, as they say, you know, you can divine things from the universe. The universe heard me. And so after a year, they said, you can go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and for those that don't know, but you, I mean, so you came up, you were talking about Chicago and the improv scene. So just to give, just because this, you're, I mean, the only good thing about being old enough is the experiences you get to have with the people you worked with. Del Close, I mean, and not to take us too far off the excursion, Del Close is essentially like the father of improv. So, like, you got to work with the people that the, the actual casts of SNL and all the and even SCTV actually came from. You know, it wasn't like an abstract when we talk about comedy. Com- this is like being at fucking. Rock and Roll Heaven, or something of comedy. You know, people never been knows Groundlings and the Second City, and but when I when I read it, I was like, you actually were with like the people that taught Belushi, and the people that like. So this wasn't like you came out of nowhere and you know just with stars in your eyes. Like you were in the place
0: that Lauren pulled from. Yeah, it was it was it was good. I was I was very fortunate. Like I said, you know, the fact that I got delayed, things may have been different, and maybe I wouldn't have wound up studying with Dell but the way it, it took a year longer than I thought to, to get to Chicago. And then Dell was teaching in earnest. Then and I think a year before that he may not have been. So it may have changed everything. So things do line up for a reason. Uh, and I'm grateful for that. Dell used to brag about doing light shows with the grateful dead. I think wow. when they were still the wizards, um, was it the wizards or was it? No, the, they were the warlocks. Warlocks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, he had a rock and roll pedigree as well. And uh, Del Close, who was the coolest you know, uh, improv teacher, but also in the late 50s, had written a book called How to Speak Hip. And I remember this was an ironic moment. There was uh, one time someone came to the class that wasn't supposed to be in it and was uh, uh, being disruptive, and he says, why don't you get out of here, you fucking turkey? I'm like, Jesus, you turkey. Jeez, how to Speak Hip. Oh, anyway, wow. Del Close, the best. Uh, but Bill it. Murray said it. uh The work Del Close is doing is more important than the pyramids. I mean, you, that you know, Bill Murray's the epitome of cool. So the but, coolest.
2: Yeah. All right, let's get let's get to Riders on the Storm. So this started with the band jamming the Stan Jones written 1948 country western hit. Okay, pull it out, dude. Yeah, I love that. The sh- I love the show and tell, man. And, and Dave, I got to tell you this right now, man. The, this, doing this with you is making me. Just I uh, fall in love with, with this podcast. It's so much fun <laughs> having you on, buddy, because you are just – you're great. Uh, so it's, it's uh, from the 1948 country western hit, Ghost Riders in the Sky, a cowboy legend made famous by Vaughn Monroe. Uh, Morrison added lyrics inspired by poet Hart Crane, philosophers Friedrich Nietzsche and Martin uh, Heidegger, his relationship with his girlfriend Pamela and Billy Cook, a drifter, love drifters, (laughs) who, while hitchhiking to California in the 50s, murdered six people, including a young family man. Uh, One of the eeriest elements is definitely Jim whispering under his vocals. Uh, The keys, though, are are the king of this song. Uh, Adam, play it. This this literally like it's just it's almost like the keyboards could tell the story that Jim is trying to tell as well. It, it's you don't even need the lyrics. It's like if you knew that this was what it was about going into it, and then you just listen to the the, the keyboard solos, you're like, oh yeah, this is I get it, I get it, because it gets all over the place and uh, beautiful. Is there anything you want to add to this, David?
0: Well, just the you know like again, the Doors sound is all happening here. Everyone's doing their part. It's it's authentic. To who they are, he's playing fucking jazz keyboards in a way, isn't he? Really yeah. he isn't rock and roll, but it is rock and roll. Um, yeah. so yeah, just maybe I, I wonder if this isn't if, if riders of the storm and tell me, Morty, what your opinion is. This might be just the quintessential Doors sound. Yeah, it's pretty close. I mean, we don't get a lot of the organ,
1: that's the thing, is because the organ, the world of the Farfisa was a big Doors. Thing, yeah, that's true. You know? Hey, and, dude, and, watch your mouth, yeah. dude. Don't you
2: can get killed in some country. <laughs> I, I put my kidney.
1: Put my kid in the other room so we could get away with that. <laughs> Farfisa, yeah.
0: Yeah. dude, you hey. what is wrong with you, Morty? <laughs> just call it a keyboard. Like, yeah. uh, well, the no, because
1: a, a Farfisa organ is a very specific sound that you'll know that on the Soul Records old records it sounded like. Timeout. All right, like a Time out. Party. All right. Yeah. Police
2: Army, listening to the podcast right now as I fill my vape juice up. Uh If please tweet at us if you know what the fuck a Farfisa is. I want no. I want hands raised a farfisa, because for you hipsters
1: for you hipsters it's also the thing steve naive plays in elvis costello in the attraction of course tomorrow. you know you
2: probably know 18 people that play the farfisa. <laughs> everybody does you're well, like we, my friend my friend created it we, we went to high school yeah. together and it's uh, it's been the shake shack
0: <laughs> while, while we're doing a sidebar so when when ray played bass was that a moog synthesizer used as a no player?
1: he no he was playing he was playing a uh he was playing, and I forgot the exact name of it, but it was just a keyboard bass. Essentially, it was a it was a scaled keyboard that had all the bass notes, and he would play it, you know, left handed. The Moog things didn't really happen until like like later sixties that they were even small enough that people could use them. Because oh. <laughs> remember, these were still huge, you know, filters and all these not things you plug in, and you know, the, until years later, they were still like a bitch to to put anywhere. But yeah, no, this yeah they were they were doing that there. But yeah, this is I'd say this is this this is the other song that Paul Roth. This is the one that people usually think is the reason that Paul didn't do the record was because he was like because he because they talked about how he said like it was like goddamn cocktail music. Ah. and this this sounds like it, but Lover Madly's actually the song. This is the other one that he heard and went, I, you know, this is not this is boring the shit out of me. I don't
2: want to is, do this. And right. this is so legendary. That's so funny. But as now we have a K Yeah, for sure. But still, it's like you never know what people are going to grab a hold of and love, you know what I mean? And And who knows what it
1: sounded like?
2: I mean, yeah, but it's i mean, what I love about this. uh, And maybe you guys agree with me is this is creepy. This is a creepy yet beautiful song. Very, very beautiful song. But it's like when you find out that it's about a drifter who I love love drifters i love them if there's drifters out there reach out to me let's let's kick it dude all over the the
0: place most of your audience are drifters yeah yeah,
2: dude that guy that guy from san francisco that hits me up he's a drifter fucking uh ml heath i love you but you're gonna murder me one day don't pick him up
1: please do not
2: murder me dude i swear to god you're gonna win my you're gonna cut my skin off where it (laughs) is all right um dave i wanted to ask you because you you, you know you're from the midwest and you know we talk about like you know ghosts and goblins and stuff like that i just love saying goblins uh but what's the scariest thing you've ever seen or been a part of have you had a ghost experience or have you had like it doesn't even have to be that but what's the what's the eeriest thing
0: i've never i've never had a ghost experience but uh, in my travels i have been at a, a several old hotels that were allegedly haunted and so uh there was one night i was in uh uh hotel in Oklahoma City and apparently it's haunted and I'm just like nope 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 I'm not gonna buy in I'm not gonna do anything like that but there was something in the room I knew there was something in the bathroom and I just had chills everywhere uh and of course you know then that just it it dissipates and it goes away that was as close as it happened I've never had an encounter again I'm not coop my energy is so high Ghosts just go, fuck that. Ghosts are like, this guy's <laughs> – dude, I'm fucking out, dude. I can't. He's scaring the shit out of me. How do you just take guys. this ghost?
2: Uh, I, think this, I think this guy's on $25 worth of Coke right now. <laughs> <laughs> and He's splitting with eight <laughs> people. He's got eight people. I, we can't scare them.
0: Um, so I've never had a real encounter. I do believe that there are people that draw them. I remember being in a uh, on a show back in uh, whatever it was earlier this year, and so there was a, a costume uh, person who had had several different ghost encounters throughout his life. And that's rare. It's like, so, But I think I also asked him if he's an empath. Now, an empath is, in my mind, not something who's em- empathetic, but they receive different things. And he also could hear, like, you he I forget how he received, whether it was in dreams or auditory. So there are people who have a different um, spiritual energy, and so you might just have a proclivity for being able to contact spirits, I don't know, but yeah, they don't so, necessarily yeah. come to me. But by and large, I do believe most people don't get hurt by ghosts. I will ask this uh, on Riders of the Storm: do they use yeah. waves, do they use waves crashing, or is actually recording?
1: Rain. Uh, it's rainstorm thing. They also did some. Uh, I'll, I'll get to. I'll I'll do a quick sound effect thing because okay. it's pretty. It's kind of spooky. Okay. Uh, is there anything you want to add, Morty? Yeah. Yeah. So this is eerie. We're talking about the hairs on the back of your neck. This one, when I say this, in early 71, while they were mixing this, right before Jim left, they added those thunderstorm sound effect things that they added on there. And then Jim, if you listen closely to this song, a lot of people don't know this if they're not avid sort of listeners, Jim whispers under the entire track on the verses. So he's riders on the storm under his vocal, which gives a wow. really eerie feeling to this whole thing. That Those whispers were the last thing he ever recorded with The Doors. Wow. So when you listen to that, the Riders on the Storm is the last. It's ugh. Let's go to that. Um, Jim actually wrote a screenplay based on Billy Cook, uh, Josh's favorite uh, drifter, oh, called The really. Hitchhiker, an American pastoral. And he intended to play the lead. And years later, if you're familiar with the Rutger Hauer C. Thomas Howell movie, The Hitcher. From yes. nineteen eighty six based on this song.
2: Wow. Yay, yeah. hey, dude. Yeah.
1: Based on the, the guy who wrote <laughs> the script have, said. Could you have gotten a the...
2: could you have gotten a creepier dude to be in it than <laughs> yeah. Roger Howard? He's seen he's seen the
1: what is it? I forgot the Blade Runners. I've
0: seen the, the something ships. I was gonna food. say I knew you knew it. I knew you knew yeah.
1: that you were gonna go. Here we go. and scene.
0: Yes. You know, I think <laughs> he who improvised parts of that.
1: He wrote that. He wrote yeah, America, don't he just improvised. Yeah, Something
2: like Tears in the Rain.
1: Yeah, Tears in the Rain. Like, God, you talk about a dude whipping it out. So also, uh, Robbie and Ray, when they got back together, they called the band Doors of the 21st Century, but they didn't ask John to play in 2002. John basically prevented them from using it. They became Riders on the Storm. that, That was the reunion name of Robbie and Ray.
2: It should have been hitchhiker in the, in the road. He's Uh, a drifter. Oh, I love drifters. All right, uh, let's do some facts and get out of here. What do you got?
1: So if you, uh, after Morrison died, uh, his electric, his electric label mate, Iggy pop from the Stooges was considered as a replacement. So wow. Oh, that could have been really cool. Iggy was a huge, you could tell he was a huge Jim Morrison fan too. If you look at early stop, not as talented in his voice, because they came from different yeah, places. Yeah,
2: Iggy can't really sing at all, but man, can he gyrate! I went to go see uh, Iggy and the Stooges when they got back together with. I told we talked about this with Mike, Mike Watt. I saw yeah. Mike Watt on bass and oh, wow. and, the, and the 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 real band except for uh, whoever the original uh, who's the guy that died. the, the Ashton Ashtons, that died. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one of them. One of them. Not wait, gone. yeah. But the other one that died, and so Mike Watt played bass, and I got to meet him. I have the funniest picture. I'll post that because it's such a funny picture of me, Iggy Pop, him sticking his head out of a limousine in the alley of uh, of the 9:30 Club in Washington D.C. Um, so I want to ask, I want to ask you, David. We talked about SNL. We mentioned it. What did you learn from your time at SNL?
0: Oh, you have to know your target and hit it. Yeah, right on. know exactly where you're going, because then it's all left to chance. Yeah. And I haven't. I can't say that I've actually done that. I mean, my my <laughs> design has never been like, oh, I want this and this and this. I just want to be good. Uh, I, I've always really well. All I wanted was respect to my peers, and you then even it. that, you're like, okay, what well, if you get that? Then what? They're like, oh, I don't know, just more of that. Well, that's not enough, you know. If you want to keep going in show business, for, for to me, but yeah. I always know that I'm going to work forever. It's like, how much do you want to work, you know? So, but the, the other thing I always tell people: read Outliers. It takes ten thousand hours. Uh, do your work. And want to be good. Don't want to be famous. Be good.
2: Completely. I I couldn't agree with that more. That's amazing. You can always tell the people in Los Angeles, the comedians, that want to be famous. Yeah. I don't want to be famous. I don't like. Yeah. I don't want to be. I don't want to be. I don't want to care about selling reads. If I could be John Leguizamo, I'd be the happiest guy in the world. John Leguizamo yeah. is in a bunch of shit. He gets probably gets courtside seats at the Lakers games every time he wants to go, <laughs> but he doesn't. He's not like he could go out to eat and you have no idea who he is. I want that so. I just want to work. I just want to make enough money to support a family, work on good projects, and yeah. and people, and like you said, be respected. That's why I am in New York because I want to be respected, and I know this is where the best comics in the world are working out every night. Yeah.
0: Um, did you, and did yeah, you move? You're not out there just for a short time. No,
2: I'm, I'm. I mean, I'm going to be splitting time, but I'm going to be out here for the foreseeable future. All I got right. a place on the Upper East Side. I'm still going to be coming back for the goddamn comedy jam, okay. uh, like once a month. I'm going to be so. I'll, I'll figure it out. But right now, it's just it's exciting, and uh, you know the there's. It's just I just I just love it here. I love exactly. I, I love New York City. I'm having a yeah. great time. The food's great, and it's just I got past the, the comedy. Congrats, yeah, I was
1: gonna say congrats on getting. Thank you, buddy. The I, yeah,
2: I'm just I'm just having a blast. I'm having a blast, and I you know I think you maybe maybe you don't agree with this what I'm about to say, David. But it's like I just connect with you know a lot of the comics out here in New York. Like we're in LA, it just feels. I, I'm friends with a lot of people, but I'm not close with a lot of them. I'm very close with a lot of the New York comics where I feel uh-huh. like it's a family. And, and uh, yeah, I just never did time here. And i I'm 41. I might as well just try it now. I can always go now, back. Now's
0: the time. That's good for you, man. To me, to me, to me, the whole comedy community is one big community. I don't like differentiate between one and another. All my hardcore buddies are improv improvisers from Chicago. So, you know, you know, you and I came up through a different, a different stream. You know, I didn't yeah. start with stand up. So I, even when I do stand up, I just felt like an interloper. Like they're all like, who the fuck is this guy? But uh, yeah, God bless you. You know, you're keep, you keep learning. You're like, oh, I'm a, this is just another school of study. That's fantastic.
2: I just want to be the best that I can possibly be. And in LA, I feel like I've reached my potential on growth because there's just not enough stage time and the stage time Uh I do get, isn't always the best. So out here, it's like, I mean, I've got like five comedy clubs that are like, you know, can you do a show here tonight? And I'm like, yes. And I mean, it's great. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I last night was my first real night off and I only did two shows. So, (laughs) so yeah, man. All right, Morty, what else you got? Yeah.
1: Um, so uh, The Changelings, so we, so this is what I was going to tell you about when this was recording. The Changeling was the first song recorded specifically for the album, but they recorded Lamerica for the Michelangelo Antonioni movie, uh, Zabriskie Point, almost a year before the rest of these songs. But he turned it down. But here's how he turns it down. Reportedly, he goes to visit them in the studio and they basically play it full volume and just uh-huh. completely overwhelm him with this just intensity. And he goes like, Thank you. And walks out and he passes. (laughs) He passes Uh on using it. But by the way, he passed on using. So, for those of you who don't know, he did a movie called uh, Blow Up, uh, which was, he had the Yardbirds in it. It's a famous, very artsy 60s hipster movie with the photographer. You know, it's great. It's been, it's, not to be confused. Yeah.
2: Not to be confused with Blown Away with Corey Feldman, Nicole Eggert, and Corey <laughs> Haim. Where Nicole Eggert's naked throughout the whole movie. Uh,
1: watch it, everybody. Right. Or Blow it's Out great. with John Travolta. Alone.
2: Watch it alone. Although the uh, Blow by the Out way, with thank, John
1: Travolta is similar. Sorry, go on.
2: Thank you also, Morty, for, for not having me have to read Michelangelo, Antonioni, and Zabrisky point. Because I would have chunked that. Uh, <laughs> you, said
1: it, you said it pretty good right there. Yeah.
2: Well, because I heard you i heard you yeah so yeah
1: so yeah it's a real (laughs) even and and as far as art stuff goes you know they were film students jim and ray were were film students and this you know antonio was antonio was one of those he's even mentioned in the hair soundtrack he's one of those guys during that time that was on the new wave of hipster you go 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 watch blow up uh go watch blow up everybody yeah and watch blown away
2: yeah, um, all right. exactly. I wanna, I, David, yeah, I, I want to ask you, I want to ask you, you've worked with so many great people. Uh, I mean, some of the most talented people in the world. Uh, who have you worked with that has blown you away?
0: Um, gosh, you, 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 you hesitate to to uh, draw it down to one. Right. Because there's so many good ones. But I just, I just say recently I worked with uh, J.K. Simmons again, and I've had the good fortune of working with him four times and he's just the fucking best. I love him. So J.K. Simmons, for those uninitiated, he's in your Farmers commercials. But before that, uh, he was in a ton <laughs> of different series. And he was on Broadway. And then after he became a pitchman for Farmers, then he went out and won an Oscar for um, Spotlight. Whiplash. No Whiplash. No, no, Whiplash. 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 If, and that's right. another
2: movie that if you want to watch a great film, Whiplash is, I mean, it's damn near I remember watching that movie in in the theater and then like my dad always said when he saw The Exorcist, he watched it and then he stayed in the theater again to watch it again. And I did the same thing with Whiplash. I watched it back to back because I loved it that much. And J.K. is just, I mean, you know, it's that's what sucks about, you You know, you you do a commercial and you get everybody's going to go, oh, farmer's uh, insurance. And you're like, this guy's got. I know, but
0: he's he's the first guy that went and did that, had a career, then goes, okay, I'll do commercials now, then comes back and gets the fucking Oscar good for him, yeah, yeah good he for just him. Did,
1: he just did Netflix invincible. he's one of the voices on Invincible that i was I yeah. just watched recently, plays the dad on that, and then Juno God, he was great in juno he's he's amazing he's yeah. great, great in everything
0: on. yeah he and
1: you I was going to say this is because you're talking about you're an incredible you're like okay, this isn't blowing smoke, I'm saying is we talk about I talk about character actors. You know, the character actors of the past, that guys where you're like, I don't necessarily know their name, but they're in every fucking movie I loved. That's you were saying a worker amongst workers, man. If you can be that guy because you said this, you'll work forever. You will work forever. They'll be like, oh, anchorman. But then it'll be, you know, he was, you know, thank you for smoking or like so like to be a character actor, man, to be lucky enough to be able to be a character actor. You know, people trade it off like it's you know, you need to be a great bass player. You could be the singer, but no. <laughs> I mean, you singer. You better die at 27. Bass player, you could be 90 and still be a cool cat on bass.
0: What so was I'm the just, what was the organ you referenced earlier? Farfisa. Farfisa. That's what farfiza. I'm a Farfisa. You're,
2: you're a Farfisa organ farfiza. man. Fully farfeased. Yeah. You're farfeased <laughs> gold.
1: Prior to this, Dave put out a record. They put out a Greatest Tits album, Electra 13, and then they put out Absolutely Live, which Dave has on vinyl, and you can't see if you're listening, but. They used older pictures of Jim. So remember, at this point, Jim's got like the beard and he's fat. You know, he does Morrison Hotel where you could see him getting puffy. But they're using these old pictures on records where he's at this point, And he's pissed off at the record company because he wants his art. He had said this to Paul Rothschild. I want to be a poet and I want it to be tied to what I'm doing right now. So because of it, he forced them to use on this album cover, if you look at it, He's not only, he's got his beard, he's the same size as the rest of the band. For the other stuff, they would always have him blown up. Even the first album has like his big Jim's head, big Jim, and then the band. For this one, not only has a beard and he's chunky, but apparently he was also drunk. Uh, oh yeah, look, pull whiskey. that, pull it back up again, yeah. Uh Dave. Yeah, look at like Adam, him, Ray,
2: just yeah, no life sitting. behind his eyes. Yeah. No life. That is also, a guy that they sat in a chair and said, "Look this way," and he went. Uh, yeah, he's, he's
0: shake actually, Shack. Uh, lower than Shake Shack. <laughs> <laughs> no no, no album <laughs> the of here. He uh, he's lower than everybody else <laughs> on yep. this album. I think that was on purpose too, wasn't it, Morty? Yep. probably. He went
1: yeah. Sorry. Go on. No, he just he did didn't want to be, he didn't want to be, he was tired of the iconic gym thing. Cause remember you'll get short period of him being skinny and gorgeous and all that it was a pretty, like, it was only like four or five years. So like after, after that, he was just drinking and eating crap and, you know, but yeah, he very much specifically said, you're going to take a picture of me and I'm going to be the same size. In fact, I'm going to be like lower than them. Same size. And I'm going to be sitting because I can't stand because yeah. I've been drinking all day. Oh, yeah. And Jim that, McCullers. by the way, that that record, the the place you talk about the Shake Shack thing. For yeah. a while, that was a bar. It was next to El Pollo. I, rem- no, I think I remember it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and no, ha- I, I, I,
2: no, it was the it, dude it was the the palms, right? No, palms is
1: further down. Because because that was because
2: it went. We were it was always we were we were going to to the palms, not the <laughs> restaurant. Uh, it's You're maybe it was about just the lesbian, the lesbian club, the lesbian bar. Yeah. That was where I, I remember. David, do you remember? You know Tammy Jo Deering, right? She does the shows at the Comedy Store. I'm I'm, I'm almost positive she's okay, probably just sure yeah. out to fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. you. She used to run a show there, and she used to put me and Angelo up, and and that was how we saw the L.A. woman thing. I mean, that whole block has just been like demolished now. Yeah, it's I terrible. Mean, it's it's You know, is
0: there a sign up there anymore or no?
1: No, they used to have. In fact, in the bathroom of the of the bar when they got in there, they used to have a plaque up in the bathroom that said, "This is where Jim cut his vocals." Because I told you he recorded. So for a while, the plaque was up there that said he recorded. He recorded his vocals in this space that you're pissing. I am going to.
2: I so I've got the picture somewhere. Uh, I (laughs) I, I, I'm praying it's on my Facebook. Like I posted it. I mean, fucking 2009. No, 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 no. We were by 2009. You were well, maybe, maybe. I mean, I mean, I was still doing MySpace, but I remember Facebook was starting to really t- gain steam. Um, and also, you know what? For all the shit about social media, there is some the the, the, the fact that there are those pictures out there that you know or just live on the internet and give you at least a place i mean i'll find that picture everybody and i will post it on my instagram this week um
1: so they recorded several other songs for this album including something called orange county suite which you can get on a later release like compilation which is interesting to listen to they put once again they did the music later so it's not technically the doors at the time but it finishes it off. And then another from Jim's, uh, another of Jim's songs from this era was something called Paris Blues. Now, it only exists as an unheard and a really badly damaged cassette. But some of the lyrics were going to the city of love, going to start my life over again. Once I was young, now I'm getting old. Once I was warm, now I'm get, now I feel cold. Well, I'm going overseas, going to grab me some of that gold. Wow, A lot of people have talked about whether or not even Ray really entertained this for a long time. People would be like, you think Jim's still alive? Do you think, but you know, he knew he was going to Paris. He thought, you know, I think he thought he might dry out or whatever it was, or nobody knows if he got a hot shot of dope or if he, you know, if sorry, if he just drank himself to death or whatever it is, because it's still very mysterious, but just the fact that he had this thing called Paris blues and then he went to paris and died a yep. few months later.
2: I have uh, I David have you and uh, all three of you guys uh, three not you Adam you just sit there staring hey, at the screen. I don't even know why you're in the shot. You're in the YouTube videos for some reason. You say He's nothing. Pretty. I like it. Um true. uh so the I've been to uh Jim's grave ah. in uh, in Paris. I went uh when I was 20 no I wasn't even 20 I was I was 18 years old. Wow. And it's it's really sad because there's every other tombstone in that cemetery i forget what the cemetery is called uh has it's writing on it and graffiti being like pointing the direction to jim's grave Uh, uh and it's it's but like i i mean it's it's still this it's really cool there's still people there every day it's like you you he's obviously with the only six records i mean this guy and you can hear it even this the legend i i just It's like, I don't think if he doesn't go to Paris and pass away, and that would be cool if he is just living on an island somewhere, laughing at all of us, writing incredible poetry, and, you know, but it's, I don't think that, you know, we're sitting here talking about this band, do you? I mean, do you guys think that there's this, if he doesn't die
0: he may have become a filmmaker. Who knows?
2: Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I, I could see that. Yeah. Maybe just a different act and just a different form of media, but you know, but who knows? I, I listen, I, I, I hate to say that I'm, that I'm glad the story is this, you know, tragic as it is, but uh, I, it's romantic. It's beautiful. And yeah. even dying in a bathtub in Paris, you know, <laughs> it's something that, you know, I don't wish on anybody, but man, it just makes that legend so legendary. Yeah. Um, and
1: his epitaph, so, I'm sorry. So you saw his epitaph. I don't know. Was the skull, was the head still there when you went? Yes. Okay. Cause that has been years. So that wasn't so you guys know there's a bust. There was a bust of Jim's head at By a the grave site and they removed it because people were kissing it and fucking. It. By the
2: way though, like just to give you an idea, I was 18 years old and finally legal to, uh, to drink in, in Europe. So I was drunk the entire six and a half months. I was in Europe. Cause Woo! I was backpacking with a friend and let me tell you, I mean, we would go way too young to appreciate anything. Like, we would go to, like, we're at the Vatican. We're like, this is great. Is there a bar around yeah. here? Uh, <laughs> because that's what we want to do. Yeah, more, more
1: importantly, yes. I did the same thing. And on his grave for you, so you guys out there, this is really, this is Jim in a nutshell. It's in Greek. It's kataton, kataton daimona etoi, which basically means true to his own spirit. Yeah. Yes. So I, that's I love his that. epitaph.
2: I love that. I love that. All right. uh, David, I got a couple rapid questions, and then you are done, sir. And I mean this. This was a fun one today, boys. This really was a fun one. I love this. Rapid questions. Here we go. Uh, Favorite song on this record? Oh, shit. L.A. Woman. All right. Least favorite song on this record? Uh, Highest house. All right. If you could only be stuck with one Doors record the rest of your life. Oof.
0: What are you picking? (laughs) Oof. Shit. I guess it's this one. Really? Yeah. Because it it, it is the culmination. Uh, And it's got so many different, drastic, cool songs. Oh, shit. Strange Days. Oh.
2: Yeah. I know. Oh, shit. I know. I know. Uh, well, how many? How many more records of uh, the Doors are on uh, the list, Morty? Do you I know? don't know.
1: I haven't. I haven't actually looked at it because I'm afraid. But we've had two so far. <laughs> Why are no, you I mean, afraid? Because you, know, you start going like, how long do I have to wait until I get to, you know, Morrison Hotel or whatever else? Oh, Mar-
2: No, Morrison Hotel's on here. I've seen it on here. I'm okay, almost okay. positive it's on here. I
1: mean, I, I imagine the first album's got to be on there because, I mean, you know, except for Soft Parade, which is the one that even that has what touched me on it. That's the record that's kind of looked at as kind of their low point where they went over there. But even that one, listen to the actual song, Soft Parade, for you that don't know it, that's a really interesting listen. But they were still going for they were going for something on that that they didn't exactly hit. And they added the horns and stuff to that record. So you end up with Touch Me, you know, which which up until that point didn't have that same, you know. So that's an interesting one. But now come he's totally in it. Come on, come on, now he's come on, on, waiting.
2: touch me, babe. Yeah. Man, waiting on the the, he's out
1: waiting on the sun. Yeah, All right, easy. what do you got, David? Yeah. You
2: got five seconds. You got a pick.
1: Uh, LA woman.
0: Oh, okay,
2: I'll take it. All right, and last question we ask this every, every episode, uh, does this record deserve to be on the 500 Greatest Albums list?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. And why? Uh, why? Because it is quintessential <laughs> doors, uh, I believe, the Doors have been an incredibly influential band. And uh, this, I think, encapsulates a lot of what their sound would do. They would inspire a lot of different musicians. I don't know that for sure because I'm not a musician. But there's so many different wonderful sounds on this thing. And like that, this leaps off into the legend. So yeah. from there, yes. No, I agree.
2: I agree. Uh, David, this was fantastic. Absolutely. I mean, a this was really thank, out. You. thank you for taking time out to do it. Uh, it's long overdue because I tried to get yes. you for Big Star. Remember you? Yes. Yeah, so we, glad we finally got
0: it done.
2: But no, this this was even better because I don't. Did you have all the big star albums yeah, on the vinyl too? I have one. Ah, I
0: have one. yeah. And also, I play, Swear to God, played this last week before you asked me on no that shit. little on that little phonograph I have upstairs.
1: No shit. What I right, one. I have to ask one thing. Everybody wants to know.
0: Any chance of Anchorman three? I hope so. Remember, there were 11 years between Anchorman 1 yeah. and Anchorman 2. So we got a couple years to go. And, uh, oh, yeah, yes. So let's just say yes. I'll Love say it. yes so that will put it out there so people start talking about it again. Tell them what you okay, on. Yeah. Let's do
2: it. i got to ask this then because we you brought it up. I didn't even think about it. T- give me your favorite Anchorman moment. Take us out on something.
0: Um, Favorite moment. It's tough. I, I, well, the first week that we shot Anchorman 1. Uh, myself and Paul Rudd and Steve Carell had all, uh, uh, we were all married and we were all in one trailer. It's called a three banger. So we're sharing one long trailer in three different, uh, rooms. And we'd hang out in each other's room. And with the first week of shooting Anchorman one, all of us had gone home and said to our wives, I'm not keeping up. There's no way I can do this. Everyone's better than me. So that was very cool that all of us felt like, Oh shit everyone's great in this movie, but me. So that was kind of fun. Oh, wow. That is great.
2: That is great. It really is. It's just, it's, it's a perfect man. Everything you've done, I've, I've really enjoyed it and we get to know you over the years. You guys are both on
1: F is for family. That's the one thing we did. There you go.
2: There it is, buddy. You guys are
1: both voices on F is for for
2: family. It is. Uh, That's uh, that's,
0: that's a feather in the cap for sure. I'm, I'm
2: bummed. I'm bummed that we that we we did the last table read. And I mean, you yeah. know, it's a it's a bummer. But last,
1: did you do the last series or the last? Uh, I've done it. Actually, ready? my last room,
2: I only I'm only in like two episodes this season. And uh the Pogo, I Pogo my uh, yeah, well, what's funny, what's funny was the day that I recorded my my all my B.O. was on the election day. Oh, I, I, I remember that. I was like, you know, it was just such a weird day. And, you know, to, to do it on top of that, it was like I didn't know. I couldn't even take process that it was, I was recording my last voiceover for it because, you know, this was huge election. But, you know, hey, turned out pretty good. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep.
0: Turned out okay. All well, right. I just it had did. to take 2022 because that's the other last grasp at killing yeah. democracy. So I know, man. Everybody – not- be diligent. We'll be on the,
1: we'll be on the front line we throwing, will. throwing yeah. fists and everything. Yeah. Uh,
2: David, anything you want to promote, buddy? Go ahead.
0: Uh, I guess America's Top Dog drops on A&E June 29th, folks. It's a family, fun, friendly a show about canine competition.
1: Nice, nice. Morty, you got anything? Yeah, absolutely. Follow me on Twitter. It's DJ Morty Coyle. Uh, apparently, Clubhouse is dead, according to Josh. Dead, Kennedy. bro. And it's Android. dead. Stop I, I it. T- no, dude, I don't even go there anymore. It's like a ghost town. Told uh, you, dude.
0: I told you, all, all the
1: Android people came in there, and I see their green dots, and I'm done with it. You're so, done, yeah, no, dude. no. So that's there. Uh, follow Be and Daddy Cartoons. I'm fortunate my daughter actually does let me show her my music and sing with me. So Be and Daddy Cartoons He's got on Instagram. The coolest
2: kid, David. Like okay. B is B is just I mean, I love her so much, man. She knows he's taken her to every concert. She's seen everybody live. That she's going to be one of the hippest like, high school students in the
1: world. So that's that's awesome. She goes to theatrical school, and God ah. help me. But, yeah, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> and just,
0: and Fokker,
1: Fokker Force 5 Tuesday nights, I play with, like I said, Dan Rothschild and a bunch of the, a bunch of the guys from the kibbutz Room from back in the day. We play live online Tuesday nights about 8-ish Pacific Standard Time and Jewish Standard Time, and then that's on Facebook Live. You can find us on there, Fokker Force 5. And then a shout-out to Michael Dutcher, one of the fleece army guys, somebody that likes staying in Twitter talks about this, please talk about this episode. All the, all the fleece army listening, please put in your favorite stuff, bring yeah. it up. We love seeing what you guys love about the episodes. We love seeing what you, we love reading what you guys love about these songs. What stuff turns you on? Please don't. don't You're, yeah. You guys, a, you guys are just,
2: you guys are just the biggest part of this is me and Morty and JT and Adam and, and our guests. So, so, you know, Make involve yourselves in it and and we'll make this even more fun. So uh yeah, dude. Big shout uh, out to all of them.
0: My final thought is uh the patience of Adam Bernard is astounding. <laughs> thank you, Adam. Yeah, thank awesome. you very much. He might have died uh, at twenty seven and we just have him sitting there.
2: <laughs> uh David, thank you so much, buddy. Thank
0: you. i Appreciate
1: you. Great to see you,
0: Fantastic. Best of luck in buddy. New York.
1: All right
2: what I tell you, what I tell you, the one and only David Keckner guys. Follow him on all social media, at David Keckner Go to his website, DavidKechner.com, for all things David. Make sure you check out America's Top Dog on A&E starting Tuesday, June 29th at 8 p.m. And keep a lookout for his new comedy horror film, Vicious Fun. I mean, he didn't even promote that, but are we doing it? Should we promote it? Fuck it. All right, guys, for new music this week, we have picked out The Voids. They were inspired by The Doors. They're an American experimental rock band. Guys, submit your music Because we're playing some shit That we just pulled off the fucking internet Because nobody's submitting their songs So, come on, man But you're listening to the song "Quirus." I don't even know if I said that right Could care less You can find all the links to the music on our website The500podcast.com And we want to play your music So send us your song If you were influenced by one of these albums coming up And we will play it at the end Trying to help you out You get good numbers Good enough uh, Good enough Eight people listen to this Oh shit, next week it's gonna be New Order I feel so extraordinary We're going into 1987's album Substance 1987 I can't wait This is one of my favorite songs Uh, Do your homework, doogle doogle Stay freezzy